Inside the Game, brought to you by Raider Media. It's been a turbulent time on the sporting front, on all fronts for that matter, with pretty much no sport taking place throughout the world. It's yet another crisis that Cricket South Africa acting chief executive Jacques Fall has had to deal with in his short stint back at the top of the organization. Welcome to Inside the Game, brought to you by Raider Media. In this edition, I'm chatting to that man in the hottest of hot seats, Jacques Fall. Uh, Jacques, uh, welcome back to the show. And uh, yeah, firstly, uh, happy Freedom Day. Yeah, thank you. Happy Freedom Day to you and um, all the listeners as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's a quite an ironic um, festive day for, for all of us. But, um, you know, we've got to stay positive and I'm sure this too shall pass. Yes, certainly so. The irony is not lost on me. Of course, back in 1994, uh, South Africa celebrated its first democratic election. Um, But right now, we are experiencing anything but freedom. And of course, I'm not referencing South Africa, but uh, the world over as we sit during lockdown, uh, pretty much outside has been, um, is illegal, uh, so to speak. And uh, that's, of course, affecting um, the the cricketing front as well. And uh, Jacques, I mean, it's your, your second time in the hot seat. Uh, you took over in 2012, uh, your first stint as uh, chief executive. Um, this time around, uh, one could argue, which has been the toughest job that you've had um, playing both roles, 2012 and now in 2019. Um, and I can imagine with COVID-19 take coming to the fore, uh, it's been anything but easy. I think there were different challenges in 2012, um, um, although I think the reputational challenge um, is probably the same uh, the second time around, but no, the COVID-19 um, crisis has, has um, changed changed the scenario for us um, significantly, uh, Derek. So, yeah, it's much more challenging this time around. It's almost crisis on, on crisis. So I think we were a little bit protected in that we went into the off-season. Um, but yeah, we were CSI were, you know, to be fair, vulnerable even before the COVID nineteen um, crisis. And I thought that we were uh, made a lot of good progress uh, in in terms of um, recovery, and we had at least a, a clear plan on what we're trying to do. But you know, the world's definitely in crisis. Um, you know, developed very quickly. Um, the impacts massive. Like I said, we probably a little bit protected going into the off season, but you know we're not we're not an island. Our, our sponsors uh, will be severely affected by this, and also our ability to sign up new sponsors. Um, and then, of course, everything is driven, um, you know, on live content. So if the lockdown and the restrictions remain um, into August this year, then we we've got serious serious challenges. Yeah, you alluded to it, the fact that uh, you were of the better place organizations and that, yeah, domestically the season was pretty much wrapped up. Um, we did lose a, a few games, though. Um, and in terms of finances, um, we, we all know um, the the problems that CSA were facing over the last year. And, I mean, this, yeah, you say if this had to go beyond August, uh, it, it would cause serious concerns. I mean, you coming into the role as it was, I mean, there were really serious concerns uh, regarding the, the money situation w- with CSA. 
Yeah, it's been a concern. I mean, the projected deficit um, is, is basically the the problem, and you know, the situation's been magnified now, potentially being magnified uh, and now as well. And um, but we, I think we did well to um, get additional content to sell um, to the broadcasters. There were a lot of cost cutting that uh, that we have done, and a lot of savings. And um, we remain vulnerable because um, you're still bound by your fixed fixed contracts and your fixed costs. Um, but yeah, it's 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 been challenging um, getting out of that, uh, and now I have to deal with uh, a low level of predictability when it comes to uh, the crisis. And and we we we've done some scenario planning, and we continue to do so. Um, and I guess you've got to be positive. What what we have done is we've divided our um, our strategy into offensive and a defensive strategy, a, a dual approach. In, Defensive one will focus on, on cost cutting and savings. Where um, sorry, the defensive one and the offensive one will focus on, you know, money generation and uh, income generation because that's important. It's also important to have a, almost a dual mindset. Um, if we just try and save, uh, we will not survive the the crisis. We probably just delay delay the the major effects of it. Whereby, if we if we start in an offensive mindset as well to see. How can we monetize? How can we do it a bit differently? Um, they come, I'm comfortable with the strategies that uh, that we had. And um, so Cricket South Africa went on a 654 strategy, which was just a cut, cost-cutting exercise. Um, when COVID-19 came in, we had a specific strategy with the steering committee. But we're also going to look at future cricket. So how, how do we make sure that um, cricket's still sustainable? And, and we're trying to work off one document here. So um, we had a four-pillar strategy. The first one to deal with with um, the crisis was just safety. The second one is using our, our voice. The third one is to engage with our stakeholders. And then the fourth one is, is the offensive strategy where we plan to see where we can generate um, income and to, to mitigate the, the effect uh, and the best. But to be fair, I don't, I'm, I'm a chief executive in cricket now for 17 years, and uh, you know, we, I don't think anybody has experienced anything like this. Um, we sent our strategy to to the ICC and all the, the member, full member CECs uh, um, at, a, at a telecom the, the other day, and you know, with such a low level of predictability um, and our industry, depending on on um, you know live sport. It's, it's been really, really challenging, um, I must be honest. Um, but I think it's important that we show leadership, um, we remain positive, and, um, you know, we plan as best as we can. Jacques, I've known you for, for many years, and, and we've worked a lot together uh, during your time at the Titans. And I was always amazed in terms of trailblazers uh, the Titans were, were head and shoulders above uh, the other unions, and, and you had massive plans and ideas for the Titans. And uh, of course, you've since moved from that role. Um, you're acting chief executive of CSA. You speak about content generating and and uh, new plans to to develop, um, given the the impact of COVID nineteen. Um, can you divulge some of them? I mean, as you mentioned, uh, you're you're in the business of live sport, and um, that is your bread and butter. If there is no live sport, um, that that takes a massive chunk of the pie out. Um, so, so how do you do you work your way around it? Yeah, I think the key is in, in, in what you just said is you've got to work your way around the restrictions. So, 
And the first question would be, how do we play, um, you know, in, in a lockdown situation or without crowds? Now, that is possible. Um, and, and we're actually working on certain possibilities. And with a crisis like this, the, the world actually moves. Um, you know, there's, there's new technology that comes in. So we are, we are looking at a, a very innovative concept as we speak. Um, I've got to give Graham Smith a lot of, a lot of credit. Um, you know, he's, he's quite entrepreneurial of nature. Um, you know, he's taken this task um, like you would hope a leader would. Um, but he's, he's quite, like I said, quite innovative as well. Uh, so um, we, we've got to look at, at how, do we, how do we get live sport um, back. So the feel of live sport, of course, it's unscripted um, entertainment. Um, and and that's, that's what you've got to get back. Uh, as, as soon as possible and you know, work your way around it. Um, the, the reasons for restricting it is, um, you know, straightforward. You, um, it, it could be almost a time bomb. You can imagine having 30,000 um, people in and, and how many um, contact points they represent after leaving a stadium. So one do understand that uh, um, it's not possible, but maybe it's good that we, we look at it. Uh, unfortunately, the financial models all over the world differs a little bit. Ours are, are mainly, um, you know, via lens international broadcast, mainly the the Indian content, very important um, for us. Hence, um, we got to also see where we, um, why are we so dependable? Um, usually models change after a big crisis like this, so that will be, a, you know, interesting space to, to, to look into it. Um, I also foresee a congested uh, future tour program. Uh, we've we've already, um, you know, postponed one outgoing tour to to Sri Lanka. Uh, West Indies uh, still under consideration, but um, you know that can can could be sus suspended or postponed as well. So I would I would one deal is the T20 World Cup in October. Um, so, but what we did at the Titans, I think the Titans were, were um, in a position where they could be innovative and they had the luxury of trying new things, uh, globalizing, um, you know, looking differently at things. You, you, you almost got to get into that position now. I think some of it's um, born out of need and that's where, where we now with, with Cricket South Africa, other than where I, I felt that... Um, the Titans had good reserves, um, they were a well-oiled machine, um, yeah, they had good support, and hence they, they almost tried to stay on top and come up with new innovative things, whereby Cricket South Africa now, we need to do this to survive. We need to be a bit more innovative, got to come up with a, with a game changer. But it does also make you um, sleep a bit less, Derek. Um, because there's some big challenges, but yeah, like I said, we I'm comfortable with the way we've reacted in terms of we were even before lockdown we terminated our um, our operations. We had a clear idea in terms of the four pillar strategy, what should be done. We recalled the Proteus. Um, we dealt with I thought Graham dealt with the um, you know the winners of the competitions very well. Um, we've made some appointments. Uh, there's some art. Um, you know, it's decisions that needs to be made in, uh, in terms of funding, and I'm sure we will also do that in a very um, responsible way.
Yeah, I think with the announcements of the various competition winners, uh, there weren't really many arguments uh, in that respect. Uh, I think you'll have a very different story uh, where the Premier League over in England announce uh, their various winners over the next uh, couple of months if there were to be no football to take place. Now, you mentioned Graham uh, a couple of times. Um, now, he was recently appointed into the role in a full-time capacity as director of cricket. Um, was it challenging to get him to sign on the dotted line given what has now taken place uh, with regards to, to COVID-19? I think his concerns were more um, related to the governance at Cricket South Africa um, that made him feel un- uncomfortable and, and the uncertainty uh, um, around it, which which I think he publicly did, did mention. Um, but yeah, he's a team player. Eh? Once, once we got him in and we, we got him working, he's a natural leader, he's a highly intelligent individual. And uh, I've been, I wouldn't say surprised about um, his performance levels because, you know, he was such a successful captain. But how he um, adopted to his role as administrator has been amazing. Um, he's a natural leader, but he's, oh, he's, um, he's been a pillar of strength for us, uh, Derek. I'm, I'm very impressed with him. I probably can't say it enough. And um, his work ethic's good, works hard, um, smart, innovative. He's quite a... People uh, would look at him as a, as, a, as a hard man, but let me tell you, he gets the buy-in from a lot of people. You know, people like working with him. Um, he's got good support. Let me tell you now, Edward Koza, uh, the acting head of Pathway, is very good. Corey van Sal, since he's come back, has been, been incredible. A lot of experience. Uh, administratively, he's very strong. So you need that. You need um, people to feed off each other and complement each other. So in this Testing times, hopefully, you know, that will, that will get us in. Graham will, will be one of the leaders of that uh, offensive strategy. You know, he's, he's uh, in administration terms. I think he's batting with both, uh, both his hands broken now. So um, we, need to, we need him to guts it out there. Uh, you know, we need to, I think we need to score about four, 438 and not even uh, uh, um, 434. So, uh, so it's... Uh, there's some challenging times, but I think he's added a lot of lot of value. He's also credible. Um, you know, he's respected in South Africa. He's got a good network um, you know, of, of the captains of industry. Uh, very useful people. He's almost our version of uh, Francois Pino now. So I'm oh, very impressed with him. Of course, uh, in the midst of COVID-19, when it start, uh, first started to, to affect the world, um, you, the, the Proteus were recalled from their very short ODI tour of India without a match having taken place. The first one was rained out. And uh, the recent tour to Sri Lanka has been called off. But um, news emanating that uh, you have secured an incoming India tour in August. Yeah, that was on the cards. Uh, and again, Graham's got to take a lot of credit for it. Um, Indian content is your, your most valuable properties. Um, that content is worth a lot of, lot of American dollars. Um, and again, we hope that we will be able to host it. Um, India remains a very important uh, business partner for us. But again, you know, you can use Graham's um, friendship, if you like, with somebody like a Saurav Ganguly. It makes it easier, um, you, you know, to get negotiations going. And we literally flew over for a day, you know, Graham. After he understood the value of, of the property, you know, set up the meeting, he you know, was very instrumental in negotiating it. So 
Um, it's one thing understanding the, the impact of these things, the other thing to get a deal going. Um, we hope that that's, that's still, still on, on the cards. It's a, it is very important for us. So Graham recently use, uh, losing uh, his title as acting director of cricket. When is uh, Jacques Fall going to lose his title of acting in the chief executive part of Cricket SA? Yeah, to be to be fair, um, we we got to deal with the the suspended CEO first, so we cannot make any announcements for that, and that's also procedurally correct. They got to deal with him. He's, he's at this stage there's a suspended CEO, so his matters got a bit deal dealt with. I I don't work uh, with it directly, understandably. So it's I guess the COVID nineteen um, crisis and lockdown didn't help that as well. Um, but you know that's got to be dealt with, and then um, you know the they, um, if, if they deal with it in a way that uh, allows for a new person to come in, um, and that's that's of course not a given, but then um, you know I, I will probably have a look and consider it uh, or not. But I talk to the wife first. <laughs> um, but for me now, uh, you know, Derek, um, luckily I've been here before and I did it for a, for a year, so um, I know how to plan this time around a little bit better, you know put some nice short-term and medium-term strategies in, in place. So, um, you know, it doesn't matter who takes over, who comes back, you know, people can just go on with it. Um, yeah, I, yeah, like I said, probably more experience second time around in the acting capacity. And, you know, continuation is important. Um, you know, the company's not built on one one person. Uh, and hopefully we will we will get through this as well. Yeah, you came in a time of crisis and you mentioned that Graham was hesitant to, to get on board on a full-time basis because of the governance uh, in CSA. Uh, that, of course, has changed. Um, legally, I don't know how much you, you can divulge, but I mean, you were brought in once again on a rescue mission. You did the job back in 2012. We had the, the Gerald Majola episode. This time around, your predecessor, Tabang Maroe, taking over from him um, with the, with the organisation in, in deep, deep trouble. Uh, of course, you had a board that, that also put him in place, a lot of which are, are still present. Um, uh, I, I keep on using the word challenging. Um, I mean, what is the, the current situation there? I mean, you, you talk about a, a, an organization or you talk about saving money where we've got a suspended um, pre, prior uh, a chief executive who's still on, 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 on uh, the payroll. Um, that, that can't help matters, I'm sure. Oh, so that, that is the challenge. It, it becomes an expensive exercise um, with with the suspended chief executive. Um, look, the board we've we've got a governance dashboard um, um, in the process. Hopefully, of appointing um, new independent directors that will help. I think lead indirect uh, lead independent director will also be uh, be appointed. Um, a lot of the you know um, calling by. Uh, um, Sponsors have been dealt with um, their concerns, um, and you almost uh, the current board. Some of them comes to an end in August, um, so you almost you're approaching that as well. Um, you know, Derek. So the, the board in itself will significantly change if you've got three new independents. Um, you'll have a new president, vice president after the election. So the board has then in itself significantly um, changed. Um, you know, a matter of accountability, you know, the, the board's got to deal with that perception as well. 
Um, it is challenging. It it's, might also be a good time to actually look at, at the composition of boards. Should they not be a bit more uh, independent? Um, but, you know, like in 2012-13, we've got work to do on that level as well. Um, we've got to show progress. Uh, we've got to improve um, the situation and just shows you how effective a negative perception can be. We've done well to reach out to SACA and I've got to compliment them for their willingness to, to also work with us and work with the players. Um, I think we've reached out nice to, um, to, to some of the broadcasters. And so we've, we've ticked a few boxes. I'm, I'm comfortable with that. But in saying this, surely there's some challenges left uh, in terms of governance. Yeah, you speak about the board makeup. Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, currently we sit with uh, two independents in Marius Skimmen and Steve Cornelius, uh, majority non independents. Um, I think Saskok does favor the non independent uh, method, so we would probably stick around to that for now. Um, but yeah, and again, you've got people who, who, who selected someone who is currently suspended. Um, who were in charge of that role, who were putting him in, in that place, and and who led them down this path of, of almost destruction, at which you've had to come in, and along with various others, had to try and clean up. I, it's an incredibly messy position to be in. And do, do you can you see the wood for the trees? I mean, is there light at the end of the tunnel, and is it fast approaching? Not sure it's fast approaching, but it, you know, it's definitely improving. Like I said, the board composition will, um, or you, you, the members sitting on the board will look different in, in August already. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. What is a bit complex with our situation is you've got a members council, so that's all 14 your, your, your president. So if somebody resigns, um, you know, on the board and he's a president, he still remains on the members council, which... It's actually the highest authority. If you want to change anything big in cricket, it's got to go to the members' council. So the unintended consequences of this is that even if you resign as a board member, you're still part of the forum that influences um, policy and decision-making, and that's what needs to be addressed. Um, so your independence, you know, they've got no vested interest, and I must be honest, both Maurice Kuman and Prof. Cornelison has done an amazing job and, and that was the difference that came in in 2012-13, Nicholson. Nicholson actually preferred a, a majority um, independent board. And, and you're right in saying that Saskok says, no, it's got to be the other way around. And, you know, that's open for a debate. I think we we can actually learn, Derek, is we see independent as somebody that's never played cricket. You know, that just has got an HR or a legal um, background or accounting background, whereby I'm going to use a good example, somebody like Errol Stewart, that's a lawyer, works for Standard Bank. You've got uh, Andrew Hudson, it's another good good example, actually, of somebody. Um, and, and I think you can reach out to that as well. Um, so that you still have cricket people in there. Um, you, you know, especially, I think back in the day, people still studied, um, you know, they... Uh, weren't full-time professionals, if you like. So, you know, they, they pursued an, an, another career. And I think those are people that's, that can be of great value for us. Um, it's very difficult if there's a negative perception of the board. Uh, and, and I think this crisis is, as I highlighted it, also in terms of accountability. Um, you know, you operate in the public domain. So if you, if you get it wrong, you know, they, they call for your head if you're the coach or the CEO or the board. 
that's where we play. That's how we, we, we operate it. And, and, and you've got to um, take the, the rough with the smooth, you know, when it goes well and um, people support you and they support your team and your brand and, and they, you sell the association for, for millions of rands, then it works in your favor. But when you get it wrong, then, you know, the public is also going to come out at you. The same, same with the media. The media reflects um, the public sentiment and also a medium of communication. And there's no doubt we got it wrong in terms of revoking accreditations and the way, um, you know, CSA has, has operated in the past. There's no way that I can sit here today and justify it. I mean, that's all. That's impossible. And, and, and the board has con- got to convince Cricket South, not just the, the cricket fraternity, but also got to convince South Africa that they're on the right track and they, they're going to be given a chance. Speak about the, the rough with the smooth. Uh, the Sydney is the, the rougher part of the interview. I promise you we'll get to the smooth side of things shortly. But um, also, uh, again, with the, the financials, uh, the fin- uh, forensic audit currently underway as we speak. Uh, how, how's that going? Uh, I think I was also, um, you know, I must be honest, a, a, a great step in, in, in trying to get credibility going. So um, we, we called for the independent. And they scanned all the documents before lockdown, anticipated it quite well. So we got our first, um, you know, feedback. Uh, it's scheduled to end somewhere at the, the end of June. So that's still on the cards. And, 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 you know, the findings will be made public, which is a good good thing to do. It's an independent uh, organization that does the, uh, the forensic investigation. And Derek, it's very important that we, um, we do this. This is the kind of steps that the board will have to do um, to get an independent body to say this is what went wrong and this is um you know how how we should act on it so yeah it's it's on track for now it's it's never a nice thing to to have a forensic investigation actually goes back four years so it's a you know it's a it covers a a lot of a lot of uh, transactions um over a long period of time so yeah it's findings i'm sure should be entertaining and interesting for everybody you spoke about SACA, and I mean, that was one of the, the main um, problems with regards to CSA and its relationships. I mean, at a point, it, it was pretty much non-existent, the relationship between SACA and CSA. Um, you've had to uh, mend those bridges considerably, and, and you've got the new man in charge uh, in Andrew Bretzka taking over from the very well-respected Tony Irish, who, who's since moved to England. Um, w- one of the major concerns of SACA, and this led to uh, a massive initial uh, court case was the, the scrapping of the 16 franchise, which um, thankfully um, has since been scaffolded in February. Yeah, I think we, um, the board and the members council admitted that uh, um, maybe there was a concern that we didn't consult as, as indicated in the recognition agreement. So uh, they rescinded the, the decision which um, then, of course, took the legal matter off the table and, and we could engage with, uh, with SACA. SACA has done really well over 17 years. Uh, funny enough, Tony Irish and I almost started at the same time in, in 2003, <laughs> and he's highly respected. And, and uh, the duty of care for players has been amazing. Um, we somehow, you know, just started to um, live further and further apart from from SACA, which was, was unfortunate. I, I do think sometimes these are driven by, um, sadly, individual personalities. But, you know, we're definitely back on track. Um, they serve in all our committees, 
from the COVID-19 to Fincom to Cricketcom, back at the, in the CC. Andrew Brietzka is a very experienced man. Um, he's, a, he's a clear thinker. He, he thinks well strategically. And, you know, they the main, main asset is players. You know, without players, you know, we won't be able to operate. It's going to take a while for the parties to trust each other fully. But, um, you know, we started with, with engaging. They'll be engaging about the new um, domestic structure. Um, so, yeah, there's, um, we had to reach out, but, you know, we still got to build trust. Um, I personally get you know, on well with, with both Tony Irish and Andrew Brietzka, which I think helps. Uh, and, uh, of course, Graham was ex-captain, so uh, we worked closely with, with Saka in the past. So, you know, there's at least good, I, I would say, individual relationships going um, at, at this stage. They do add a lot of value, um, Derek. The, amazing organization and have you seen how they've grown and, and how they've built their internal capacity over the years uh, one one got a compliment and their efforts i think they do put players first they communicate well with players and they fight for their players and that's what you expect if you and me belongs to a trade union that's the kind of characteristics that you that you would um, would want to see in a, in a in a trade union. But um, yeah, happy to report that I, I think we Andrew and I would would almost on a daily basis, um, you know, communicate, which which is something we we both agree that's important. Let's let's start talking about things. Well, that, of course, was another massive fire that, that you had to uh, put out uh, since taking over the role. And, and I think legal costs were, were pretty substantial, but considering the alternative, uh, you would have taken it in a heartbeat. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the, the relationship was important for us going forward. You know, you, you don't want to distance yourself from, from players. I mean, that's, I don't think that's the, the smartest thing to do. So, um, you know, legal costs, you, you, you're always going to incur some cost. Um, I think in a way we probably also could save cost. There's always a risk. One never knows with these, um, you know, civil civil matters. It's on a balance of probabilities. It can go, can go anywhere. Um, our version of, of the recognition agreement might not be um, similar to that of, of a judge. Uh, it's definitely not similar to that of SACA. So there were risks involved in that as well, Derek. Uh, in South Africa, we've got the big five. Um, in the cricketing uh, world, uh, we've also got the big five in the form of Simon Harmer, Dwayne Willifier, Dan Villas, Riley Rousseau, and Carl Abbott, uh, two, five players that are Colpac players plying uh, their trades over in the UK. Um, now with the, the recent fall of Brexit and uh, the Colpac situation very much up in the air, um, what's the situation with regards to them and uh, their futures in, in SA cricket and possibly the, the, the Proteus? Uh, I, um, we actually in conversation with Tom Harris, Harrison, the ECB CEO on, on it, that's uh, given us updates. So um, our understanding of it is, is that... Uh, um, you know, the Colpac situation, which is based on European law, uh, Colpac is actually a handball player and, and based on, on, on the um, treaties um, that were signed, um, you know, it created a loophole that you can play um, or work 
um, you know, as a local citizen. So that's where Colpac came in now. Of course, with with the UK leaving um, the European Union, that has, has changed it, and and so the the law of the land will will now come in play. And it seems to be a little bit un uncertainty on the way that uh, they are going to deal with it, or when will it be phased out. But I think it's fair to say at some stage. And you won't be able to play under the callback ruling. Hence, you then play as an overseas player. That changes the, the status significantly for us because um, Armour, uh, to use as an example, would play his trade in, in, the, um, uh, in the county setup and, of course, then plays as a, as a local player, whereby somebody like Dean Elgar would play as an overseas player. Mm. Now, you, is allowed a, a one overseas player as well. Now, of course, Elgar is available to play for us and Hama is not because one of the callback rules is um, that you, you then do, um, forfeit your right to play for your country. I guess it doesn't make sense to play as a local if you, if you still play for another country. And so it opens up the opportunity that all of these players at some stage, hopefully um, in the new year, will be available for us. I guess the big question would be, do you then select uh, free agents, similar to somebody like uh, Chris Morris that doesn't have a contract with a local franchise? So based on the fact that they're South African citizens, um, do they do you then select them? Now, Graham uh, has um, again indicated that he wants the best team to play for South Africa uh, we're waiting to to get finality on the on the ruling in terms of uh, how the county is going to deal with it. It looks like they're going to have two international players per county. Now that will will be perfect for us. Uh, and then yeah, I guess you've got to you've got to speak with these uh, players on a one to one basis to hear if they still want to play. They the five you mentioned are amazing. Armour must be the best offspinner in the world at this stage. So, you know, you want people um, of his calibre to play. He's a fantastic player. Um, Abbott, uh, Riley, Villas is a, oh, an amazing player. So, um, hopefully, um, that's what the rugby did. If you, if you um, remember Rossi's approach, is the one thing he, he probably changed up front is, is that you can, you, you can select people that don't play for the African team. So, it is a decision that uh, um, Graham and also the powers to be is, uh, will have to make. Um, but, but I, I got to be fair. I, I think it's important that in the modern era you got to recognise that this is professional sport. If you if you want to draw um, on, on on the best players to make help you win, this is the way to go. Similar with soccer, you can imagine if. Um, if if the overseas teams uh, wouldn't select from the from the Premier League um, because you don't play in a local league, and uh, you know it's it's how professional sports evolve. Uh, rugby's done it, and that it could be something that we we will definitely consider favourable. Loving sport, Derek, like you do, it's got to go through a few committees first <laughs> um, you know, to get get the heads up. <laughs> but um, you know, we in terms of the frequency of dealing with it, you know, we, we need clarity. Um, from the UK almost first, so that we, we, we yeah, what is the status? How are they going to deal with it? Um, but, you know, it's a given that you won't be able to play um, in terms of the loophole created by the European law. That, that won't, be, won't be possible. And then there's the A.B. de Villiers factor, a, a man that you've known since his teenage days, is also a stalwart over at the Titans. Uh, 
possible coming out of international retirement to take part in the, the World T20, which uh, may or may not happen. But uh, on top of that, there's also the extended run uh, with the Proteas, which I'm sure fans are hoping to see. But uh, have you m- had m- many dealings with him or, or perhaps know about Graham having had dealings with him? Yeah, we've had initial discussions. Um, AB is a wonderful man. There's so much misinformation around AB that it's uh, you know it's, it's sometimes unreal. And he's just a you know a wonderful um, human being, which I think just wants wants to play for South Africa, and he has done so over a long long period of time. Um, and I think AB will um, play till he's seventy if he, if he has his his own own way. So again, um, it's We'd like to sit down once the the World Cup's totally confirmed, and and you know talk, talk to um, AB. Um, again, I think it's what Graham said. He wants his best team to play, and AB brings a lot. You know, it's easy for him to um, to be uh, in a team. You know, he's, he's a team player. He's respected by teammates. So you know, it's absolute absolute rubbish that he's. Um, um, you know, selfish or you know having demands, not at all. You know, he's, uh, we 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 want him to play. Um, we, we we want him involved, and we just got to find a way um, around it. I think there's still a bit of uncertainty um, uh, with him. Um, I, I felt that the, the whole saga around the 50 over World Cup was a was was a disaster. Um, so. Yeah, you know, I think we got to deal with it a, a bit better. You spoke about Graham Smith earlier about hesitant to come into the fray because of the governance. Um, I can imagine that AB de Villiers sort of felt the same way, and and you could probably put it down to the fact that your presence has uh, motivated Graham to to come in on a permanent basis, and and probably has uh, pulled AB de Villiers towards the Proteus once again. Um, do you do you like to think yourself as a the glue that's starting to, to, to mend the broken vase? I think it's always a team effort. Um, I think the fact that Boucher coaches uh, the Proteas will play a role. Um, he's also respected. He's very close to, to AB in his playing days. I think Graham, Graham, uh, Graham and I, uh, we've always had a good relationship. So I guess you trust people, but I also trust him. Um, but you know, it's, it's, I'd like to think it's just there's more considerations just me uh, than me, uh, uh, Derek. You know, you need need you need a team, um, uh, you know, to to take it take it forward. Um, you know, the game game is bigger than one person. I think we temporary. I know we temporary custodians of the game, and we let's just leave the game, you know, in a better place than we found it, or at least the same in our case. Um, and 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 do your bit. You know the game is bigger than than, than all of us. Um, I've been fortunate to have relationships with um, the likes of Graham. Remember, he was captain when I I was around in 2012. So we've worked um, uh, d- during that period as well with Gary. Um, with AB, I've worked quite a lot. Um, you know, at Titans and also 2012. So I guess that helps a little bit if you've worked with somebody in the past. And, I guess if you if you know somebody, you, you you're more likely to trust them. I'm definitely no superhuman being, um, or you know the, the the world's best sports administrator. I or have a philosophy of uh, being authentic and transparent uh, as much as I can, and, and 
working hard and trying hard. And, um, you know, if, if that formula helps the organization, then I'm, um, you know, I'm happy to contribute. There's no question the majority of your work is, is done in the boardrooms and in your offices. And uh, I've toured with you plenty with regards to the Titans. Um, we've had trips over to Abu Dhabi, Namibia, to, to name a few. And, and I've always been impressed by how you've let the players, and, and in this instance it was Mark Bouch who was coaching the Titans at the time, uh, just get on with it. Um, you had very little, um, I don't want to say the word interference, but um, you didn't really bring in a hands-on approach uh, as uh, as the administrative head of the team. Um, is that very much uh, your way of thinking with the Proteas? Is it uh, Graham and Mark's baby, the, the men's side, and to, to do it, and, and, and you'll deal with matters behind the scenes? It never made sense for me to um, try and influence, you know, almost scripting legends, um, you know, of the game. Uh, I think it was a success recipe at, at the Titans, um, it's definitely a deliberate approach. Um, like I said, I'd rather capacitate and help them. Uh, they do come from time to time and seek a bit of advice and, and, and one offer it. Um, it's definitely not be who bats three and who bats four. Um, so your your wisdom, um, you know, would be on on other other areas of administration. But I, in 2012, same approach. I always try to stop interference with with the team. Um, it is a philosophy of philosophy of mine, and I think it's worked quite nicely over the years. Rather protect them than try and influence it. Um, we've done so well at the Titans that uh, I hope the same will continue um, uh, at, at the Proteas. You can imagine how would I now influence anything tactically with somebody like a Mark Boucher, Enoch Nkwe, and uh, and Graham Smith on board? You know, you want to leave that to them. You know, you. If you want to manage the hospital, you know, you, you don't have to tell the surgeon what, what to do. You know, um, you've just got to provide them um, the facilities to, to do operation. And that's how I see my role always. I'll manage the hospital and within it, we, we have certain units and one is, is definitely um, a specialized one in, in managing the protea. So I that's been my philosophy for a, for a very long time. And I, I do think it takes off it takes away a lot of the frustrations from from coaches and managers and players if you if you're not too involved um, on the day to day to day operations of the team. You speak about Mark Boucher and Graham Smith um, being very much involved with the team. Of course, that they would be, and you were instrumental in in giving Mark his his first coaching job, job pretty much uh, when he took over uh, from Rob Walters uh, at the Titans. Look, yeah, we got a lot of flack for that. Um, and, and also, I remember Rob didn't coach uh, before mm. that. He was, he was a strength and conditioning coach. Mark at the time fit the profile of, of what we needed. We were we just won two trophies. Uh, we had a lot of pro-tier players. So we needed somebody um, that people will look up to, the eyes uh, to go up. And not a lot of people can challenge from A.B. de Villiers to Farhan Biardin. Uh, we, we back in the day had an amazing squad, um, and we had a lot of uh, gifted youngsters coming through. And Aiden Markram, uh, Lungin Giri, um, so he fitted that profile in terms of uh, what people look up to. It's not to say that there's no um, place for a career coach or somebody with a level three or level four, but at the time at the Titans, that's um, the, 
it's not what we needed. And uh, yeah, I think he was mad. He was uh, coach of the year the first two years. He won five trophies in three seasons. Just amazing. So it worked for us. Uh, it was brave at the time, but leadership's also about bravery. And um, you know, once you um, you've decided and profiled the ideal candidate, and you, you've you've got him, then you've got a balance. It worked out quite nicely for us. Rob, Rob started a very good pro process for us. Rob is, uh, is well educated. He's a he's a sports scientist. He's been around Gary for a long time, and um, you know other um, Barry Apton. So he learned a lot. So he could he could influence and put processes in place for us and he also won us um, four trophies and and at the time um, he's a hard worker but he the coach had followed um, followed on him had to be had to be a mark mark voucher mark voucher is a very good coach let me tell you now um shane he's also probably um, received a lot of uh, uh, harsh criticisms but he's hard working um, he's a legend of the game. He understands. He's tactically very s strong. Um, you know, there's no grey areas with him. Uh, he, you know, he, he literally runs with the team. You know, he's, a, he's somebody that embraces um, hard work, um, a hard approach, um, high level of accountability. That's somebody you want want to coach. Uh, those uh, if your ex players get gets to that level. Um, you know, you're absolutely blessed. Um, and like I say, I, I don't think there's anybody in that set of challenge. Um, you know, he's just assertive enough. Um, and he's been around a long time. So there's a, a high level of credibility, which which I think helps. Did, did you receive a, a lot of flack as well? I certainly saw a, a lot uh, on social media um, with the appointment of him to, to the national setup. Uh, with Enoch and Quay had been serving the role uh, on a temporary basis. But um, how, firstly, did you get a lot of flack? And, and how is that setup working um, with Mark and, and Enoch uh, working side by side? Look, in sport, if you appoint a national coach, you, you get a lot of praise and flack. You can't actually um, scientifically try to work out if that one appointment makes so many people happy and so many people angry, but that is sport for you. Um, you know, it, it would range from ridiculous to brilliant and, and genius. So um, I, I, I do think um, uh, the, the Enoch appointment in, in before the Indian tour in 2019 <clears throat> was was uh, brave of him to take it on. It's a difficult uh, tour to do. So when we, we came back, um, you can imagine these expectations from him to go on and, and we sat down with him. It was, he was absolutely honest uh, with us um, about his expectations and, and also that he, that he um, of course, disappointed when he didn't get it. And the moment we got the cricketing brains in one room, they became a unit like I've seldom seen um, before. You also got Bobo Mosabalela, which was the, the manager. And Enoch Kinkwe is, is an incredible individual. And, and I believe that he one day will also coach South Africa. He's, he's just started off his coaching career at one season with Lions, and he did exceptionally well. Um, and, you know, he's a hard worker. He communicates well. Um, They've been through through a tough time. I, I think the the Australian series that ended um, as a debt um, meant a lot for them. Um, a lot of things um, falls into place when you win. You you've got team. Um, you, you you've got team spirit. Um, people back each other. So that's what happened with him. But he's he's an ideal person. I've got no doubts it will be a national coach. Hopefully for South Africa one day. Um, 
fantastic individual to work with. I've got a lot of praise for for Enoch. He's a good man. And uh, yeah, we, so we've got the coaches and uh, assistant coaches sorted out. Um, the ODI captains sorted out, but uh, Graham Smith recently announcing that Quinton de Kock would not be captaining the test side. Are you privy as to uh, who might be taking over the reins or, or who would be uh, of those uh, in the reckoning? Look, Derek, man, I um, let me not um, try and speculate too much, but but uh, you know we are we've had some discussions. I, I don't think they've totally made up their mind. Um, they got a bit of time. Uh, it's got a lot to do with workload, I would imagine, and, and maybe also a different tactical mindset um, for your for your longer version of the game. Um, I guess the, um, it's a clear indication that I haven't announced somebody by now that uh, they're, they're still looking at a, at a, at a few options. Um, there's some, some strong leaders in there. There's uh, uh, Aidan Markram, of course, uh, Dean Alga, uh, Rassi, um, Anna Dusen is, is, is held in, in high regard. Um, you know, so, but, you know, you might do what uh, they did with Graham: is, is go with a youngster and, and give him a give him a bit of a a run in it. Um, but yeah, they, I'm, I'm sure there's there's a, a big debate around it, but but they haven't made up their mind at this stage. And uh, just sticking with uh, the Proteus side, uh, sorry, we're wrapping up soon. I know there's been a, a very long grilling, Jacques. But um, yeah. CSA came out uh, towards the end of last year, and uh, there were a lot of. Um, surprising comments uh, people saying uh, that they were very surprised by the news um, when CSA announced that they were in favour of the ICC's approach to four day test matches and, and adopting that, that strategy. Uh, of course many people said well that's not test cricket, the history books say it's always got to be five days and, um, and yeah I can completely sign with that but uh, I did a bit of research at the time and, and I know that organisations the world over are hemorrhaging money and now we've got COVID-19 taking place, and that's just put things uh, even to, uh, into a worse of state. And, and I look back at the last five years with South Africa hosting uh, test matches, and, and I found this stat, that we had hosted 26 test matches. Only nine went to a, a fifth day. Four, day. four days were nine tests. We had six three-day tests, and then we had um, t- uh, one two-day test, uh, which is crazy, and then we had one that was rained out. Um, I can imagine that the money lost on those lost days, particularly against sides who are considered um, minnows. And, and I don't like using that word, but I mean, you know that you, if you're going up against an England you, or an Australia, you're going to have a, a far tougher fight on your hands than uh, if you go up at home against, say, a New Zealand, although New Zealand are, are certainly pushing themselves up a lot further these days. But um, yeah, I can imagine that the losses when tests don't go the full five days are, are staggering. Also, I think the modern lifestyle, and that's uh, it's good data that you that you have there. The modern lifestyle, you know, there's a lot of competitions in the world that, that is 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 actually done over five days. Um, I, I think that is that is the one concern. Um, you know, as cricket's always cut off um, overs, you know, they're looking to cut off days now as well. And, it's how the world evolves. And I do think you're right, and it should be opponent specific. Um, you know, do you, um, if you can, if you can sell out five days, you can imagine the Ashes. Um, you know, they they would want five days. Uh, um, uh, but 
but yeah, you know, for me, it's got to be opponent specific. I think in December, Biff said he didn't know. I said, um, you know, we must talk to stakeholders, and the president said four. So, um, you know, it's also indication that there's a, there's a bit of uncertainty um, about it. But you surely got to consider data like you did now. Uh, if, if you want to play the Ashes over five days, then it's fine. If England play one of the other teams and it should be four days or scheduled four days, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it, it also fills up the FTP. Um, it, it, unfortunately, the Red Bull um, format still got a lot of support, but the big money is with a with a white ball format, um, especially um, the change in India. So India viewer content now goes for the shorter version of the game, not not as much Test cricket. And, and I think that that makes a big influence on on it as well. And, and certain of the the matches just don't make sense. Um, I'm not sure if the night night test matches really worked um, or always worked and didn't have the effect that people were hoping for. So in my mind, that you you should give consideration to to four day tests. Just talk us through some some of those losses that that you do experience, because I think most people just automatically assume you're talking uh, ticket sales, so you lose that. But of course, that wasn't a big part of the pie to begin with. Um, We talk about uh, costs involved like security and catering, etc. And those things are are, are things that you've had to have uh, paid for well in advance, and and you simply can't cancel a day before when you know that this match is going to end uh, a lot quicker than, than five days. Yeah, also accommodation. You can imagine if you can cut a day off, uh, you know, it's, it's big groups. Uh, the touring groups are, are, are much bigger and bigger. Um, you could easily, um, you know, save on anything between 60 to 80 rooms um, per tour uh, in, a, in a five-star hotel. That, that in itself is, uh, is um, you know, a fair amount of money. And then from your security to cleaning, um, catering is big. It's massive, so um, you know you you gotta hire people, um, people working individual suites. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot that goes into it. Stock. Um, no, it's massive. You know, it's uh, if you take a test at the um, at Supersport Park, you take match day income and match match day expenses. You you uh, on a five day test match, you your budget for um, just on match day income and match day expenses, anything between 1.5 to 1.8 million rand loss. Of course, if you then quantify your income from suites and sponsorship, it tilts in a, in a positive um, for, um, you know, actually hosting matches. But then, of course, if you can cut out a fifth of your costs on a test, um, theoretically, that's 20% of it. So, um, you know, by now... Uh, they probably would budget for for a two million rand effort o- o- over um, five days in terms of a loss. So that's four hundred thousand rand. Um, you know, it's significant. That's one test match. Um, yeah, that's not taking into account your your um, your hotel costs, which which could be could be quite. It can be a, you know it's a significant amount. It's not a, it's not a small saving. And hence, if the data indicates that most of it will only go four days anyway, um, you, you know, you got to take that into account. Yeah. 
And um, yeah, this this interview has certainly been uh, one of uh, very much doom and gloom in terms of the past. But looking ahead to the future, uh, uh, you've got to just hope. And, and, and as you say, you've got plenty of plans in place to make content, to, to ensure that you, you, you guide the ship uh, towards uh, less rough waters. Um, one massive positive uh, must be the growth of the women's game in South Africa. And we, we saw how well the Proteus women did over in Australia recently at the T20 World Cup, uh, losing agonizingly uh, in the semi-final to the hosts of Australia who went on to win the tournament. But uh, the biggest shining light for me uh, throughout the tournament was the following that it garnered um, back home, from back home. And um, yeah, it, it really captured the imagination of the public. And, and that's exactly what you need uh, in the women's game or well, in any game, uh, theoretically. But uh, yeah, you must have been very, very pleased with firstly their performance and secondly, what their performance did uh, for the fans. Well, we've seen a massive growth um, in viewership, especially uh, um, in online content for the women's game. I think the stats they gave us, it's probably that the uh, it was the most watched women's event and, and the in-stadia support was, was a world record as well. So a lot of positives and our team played so well and, and, and um, you know, they, you know, they're easy to support, they're easy um, to follow. Um, so hopefully, yeah, you're right, that that is a property that's come to the fore. Um, if you asked me if uh, 10 years ago if we'd name a, a guide in honor of uh, Mignon Lepri or a woman's protea player, um, I, w- I would probably not not say yes, but that's exactly what we did. We, we, we honored her at Supersport Park. Um, she's such a wonderful person, such a great example to um, you know young 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 girls and and, and women. Um, but the women's game has grown, so there, there is a positive. I think you can monetize it um, much better than we did in the past. Um, if I may say, momentum has come on board for a sponsor to sponsor them, and, and you know they're also excited. Um, about the growth in the game. It is wonderful. It's wonderful to see. Yeah, it's tough times, Nick. I, I, I think one must make a deliberate decision to stay positive and, and to play um, a leadership role and to sit and come up with uh, a good strategy that mitigates the effect of this. And like I say, I always see myself as a, a temporary custodian of the game and a, and a privileged um, person to, to be in a capacity where, where I do have a a bit of a hand on the steering wheel of where we're going. So that in itself is a massive um, uh, honor, but also obligation. And it's one that one should not take lightly. You should you should try your best. Um, the amount of research we've done of light is, is unreal. Um, you know, the benchmarking, reaching out to other codes, other countries to see what they are doing. You know, it's, I said in the beginning, there's a low level of predictability. There's no historic data. Um, there's no historic case study in this. You know, it's almost like a world war. Um, so hopefully, you know, cricket like it survived the world wars of of, of the past will also survive this. Oh, well, Jacques, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you as always. I, I don't think you expected uh, this to go as long as it did when I messaged you a couple of days ago. And uh, yeah, to do it on a holiday, I really appreciate it. Although, granted, uh, most of these days, uh, not a holiday um, at all, but uh, we certainly are cooped up in our homes uh, back home. But um, 
Yeah, I, I really hold thumbs and wish you all of the best uh, for the future in these very troubled and uncertain times. And uh, congratulations on doing what you've managed to achieve in uh, your short stint back at the top, as like I said at the beginning of the show, in uh, one of the hottest of hot seats in South African sport. Always nice to have a chat with you, Derek. Always nice. Hopefully we can, uh, we can do it again one day. I look forward to it. It's going to be brilliant. Cheers, Jacques. And uh, enjoy the rest of your Freedom Day. Thanks, Derek. Same to you. Thanks for listening to Inside the Game. Brought to you by Radar Media.